it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to recap the Senior Bowl down in Mobile, Alabama. Interesting game, although a lot of people did not play. Some of the people that we knew were leaving and then other people that had been there all week practicing and decided not to play in the actual game and risk injury. And so to talk about it, our friend who is in Mobile, Alabama and watched the game, Mr. Glenn Naughton. Glenn, what's going on, brother? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, wrapping up my time here, getting ready to fly out back to England tomorrow afternoon. But just, you know, looking over some notes and and diving back into some all 22. Glenn, let's start with this. There were a lot of guys that went through all the practices and then decided not to play in the actual Senior Bowl game. Who were the guys that you were most looking forward to playing in the game that ended up exiting before it took place? Uh, well, the biggest one for me, just because I've been a fan of his for a couple of years, and I think he's a, a guy who there's such a wide range of where he can go in this draft, but NC State linebacker Peyton Wilson, the guy's athleticism and, well, he's, he's primarily his speed is just absolutely off the charts, and he's a guy that, you know, you figure at some point the Jets do have to sort of add some younger linebackers. Um, you know, Zaire Barnes, I don't know if he's the answer as a future player, but I was looking forward to seeing him, and even though the Jets don't need a quarterback, you know, I was kind of hoping to see Michael Penix play. He's got the big arm. He's got the ability to allow some of these receivers down here to make some big plays and he bowed out so it was uh it it was disappointing there were a lot more guys who uh who decided not to play than I expected and I hope that's not 
sort of a a trend or you know something that we're going to see in the future you know we've talked about how a couple guys will bow out after one day of practice or two days and that's that's generally if they hear from enough teams you know if their agents talk to teams and they basically hear your guy looks phenomenal not much he can do to raise his stock at this point we already love him you hear enough of that and you tell your guy don't risk injury let's just go home um but it felt like on the morning of the game michael Penix, my understanding is his plan was to play up until a couple hours before kickoff um which really puts these guys in a bind so it was a shame to see as many guys bow out as they did but those were the two names i saw that were really disappointing Glenn, before we get into the actual game, I wanted to talk about Jeff Ulbrich because he was one of the head coaches down there, and I kind of like this idea by Jim Nagy. He decided that he was going to give the opportunity to be a head coach to some of these coordinators, and I think it's good because it gives you an idea of what these guys would be like as head coaches, almost like a trial run. Now, it's a week coaching some guys that are college prospects that you're not going to have to deal with day in, day out, but still... It's a nice trial run, as I said. And by all accounts, Jeff Ulbrich did a really good job of running everything, running the staff, running the practices, dealing with the players, forging relationships with these guys, and hopefully forging positive enough ones with some of the players that the Jets may want that it could help them in terms of having an inside track on what the guy is like, not just as a player, but as a person. That's the kind of thing you learn during interviews, but certainly you learn a lot of it when you're in the trenches with that person for a couple of days or even a week as the situation dictates here at the Senior Bowl. And Ulbrich was quite shorthanded because a lot of his players weren't there. They decided not to play in this game, and yet he still ended up being on the winning side of this. So I thought this was an impressive week for Jeff Ulbrich, and I think it should have opened up people's eyes in terms of his candidacy as a head coach. Clearly not this year because all the vacancies are filled, but for next year, you would hope that this would help his chances as far as getting interviews for head coaching vacancies. Yeah, you would think so. And, you know, the you, you focus so intently on the players or your, 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 your intention is to focus solely on the players while you're out there. But every time you glance over at Jeff Ulbrich and find him on the field, he's being pulled in one direction or another. He's either coaching up a player or being pulled aside to do a TV interview, or maybe he's working with some of his other coaches with a different position group. So they're all over the place. So probably a little bit more hectic, really, than even being a head coach on a regular basis where things might be, you know, maybe after training camp, things are a bit more settled down and regimented. So really credit to him. He was great with the media. You know, he was asked about the opportunity to be a head coach, and 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 he put it well. He said, "Look, you know, normally it takes a year of hype before you get the interviews. Like your name has to be thrown out there as a possibility one year, and then the next year is when the interviews tend to come." So I think what he's saying is that you know he would expect some interviews next year, if anything. You know, if the Jets' defense were to play well again this season, so I think he did a really nice job down here. It's it's not an easy task. I mean, you're really, as you said, Scott, you have so many guys pulling out of the game at the last minute, or even if it's a day before, and you, you've got 50, 60 players who most of which have never played together and you're trying to get them organized to, you know, to play a football game in a few days and, and get them on the same page. So I'm sure it's got to be a very unique challenge for any head coach. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn, as far as the actual Senior Bowl game, take us through the result and some of the highlights because I know you had some notes on some of the players that really showed out. Spencer Rattler had one tremendous throw. I think he really upped his stock this week in Mobile, and I know you have a little tidbit on that that you can throw in as well, but he's a guy that I think could end up going in the third round. Probably not the second, because even though quarterbacks get pushed up, I think the fact that he's on the smaller side might keep him in that third, fourth round range, but he did really well, and there were quite a few players that helped their stock, not only during the week, but during the game that actually occurred here in Mobile. Yeah, you know, obviously a 16-7 win for the for the national team and you know, you you kind of you expect these these all-star games whether it's the senior bowl or the east-west shrine or the hula bowl. I always expect very low scores, which is what you normally get because as I said just a minute ago, you're trying to get 50-60 guys on the same page to 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 play a football game and obviously offense is so much more predicated on timing and being in the right place when you're supposed to be and quarterbacks have to feel comfortable with receivers so the defense is reactive so it's a little easier for them in these circumstances because the offense doesn't have time to get on the same page so it was a low scoring game 16-7 and I'll just I'll run down the list here I've got you know I've got my my American national rosters and guys who jumped out guys who helped themselves guys who hurt themselves 
Um, you know, and for anyone who watched the game, you don't need me to tell you that Sam Hartman did not help his stock. Um, just really sloppy football, which again, you do get with some of the miscommunication, but he was, uh, Sam Hartman was not good at all. Used his legs a little bit, which we saw throughout the week in practice. And I'd commented on, you know, that is something you do see when you watch him in college. And I thought he did a nice job of that. That may have been his most effective weapon was his legs because his arm wasn't doing him a whole lot of good. Rasheen Ali, a guy who I've mentioned, he of course didn't play because he had the injury earlier, earlier in the week. Luke McCaffrey, the wide receiver out of Rice, who I've mentioned a couple times, may have had the best catch of the day um, on a ball over the middle. I believe he was lined up in the slot, ran a seam route, and he was led probably a little too much and was able to reach out and snag it with one hand. Did a really good job there. Devontae Walker. Now, Devontae Walker is one of these guys where you have to, you know, you look at it and say, how much our team's going to allow three days in Mobile? to affect what they have on film for him over the past couple of years in college because he's been a phenomenal receiver in college, had a ton of drops in the three practices leading up to the game, and then had a few drops in the game, which really, I mean, they weren't routine catches, but they were very catchable balls where um, he seemed to be trying to one-hand them. Um, now, there was one where it looked like the DB may have had his other hand, but then there was a play later that looked like, again, a very catchable ball that he didn't come up with. And he had, I, I think he led the way in targets. I didn't I didn't uh, mark them all down, but I saw him being targeted more than anybody and um, didn't do really well there. So that was a little bit of a surprise. Um, A.J. Barner, the tight end from Michigan, who I've mentioned a few times, really liked them coming in. Had a really solid week. Had a short, you know, a brief lapse where he had a couple drops during a drill. But other than that, caught everything that came his way. And if he can be even sort of a, a guy who can get you, you know, three, 400 yards a season, he could be a nice tight end three and a, a blocking tight end because he, he really thrives in that area. Uh, Tanner Bordellini did play, and as was the case during the week, a little bit inconsistent, probably a day three guy after the way he played. But I, I w- here's the interesting thing, Scott, that I, I actually I wanted to mention. People may have seen it out on Twitter, and it did get mentioned again w- when the press, when we had the opportunity to sit down and, and lob some questions at Jim Nagy. He really feels that because of the lack of underclassmen declaring this year, that rounds five through seven are going to be really, really weak. Um, he said, expect anybody. He said, expect a lot of teams to package their five, sixes, and sevens to move up to three and four because the talent pool in ra- in that that those final three rounds isn't quite what it used to be. So when I look at a guy like Bordellini, I think, ah, oh, is he a fifth or sixth rounder? But thinking of what Jim Nagy said, how they feel that the bottom three rounds have dried up, that may bump guys like Bordellini up a little bit because there's just not that depth that we've seen in years past. Um, Dominic Pooney, the offensive tackle from Kansas, was a guy I only – I'd seen his name a few times during the year, only started watching him literally a few days before flying down, and um, I thought he had a pretty good game. And I'm, I am looking forward to re-watching the game because, you, you know, as you're watching, you're taking notes and sometimes they go no huddle and sometimes these plays happen so quickly that uh, you might miss a snap or two. But um, that w- he was one of the guys on the offensive line who we probably haven't talked enough about. Isaiah Adams, another one, uh, you know, I don't need to mention him again because I think I've mentioned him every time we've talked about these prospects because he's had himself a, a solid week, has a little bit of guard tackle versatility, although... I think the idea is to keep him in a guard, um, you know, for the uh, as a pro. I don't think he'll see much time at tackle. Gabe Hall, I was very happy, Scott. You and I, uh, we've talked in the past, uh, both like the work that Emory Hunt does, a football game plan. He works at CBS. 
I came away from the Senior Bowl, and one of my thoughts was, I must be losing my mind because I thought Gabe Hall was one of the best players out there, and I'm not hearing anyone talk about him. Um, and then yesterday, sure enough, Emery Hunt was on CBS.com, and he was talking about how Gabe Hall was one of the best prospects on the field. And I thought, I'm glad somebody else said it because there were probably people listening to me thinking, what the hell is Glenn talking about? Nobody else is mentioning Gabe Hall, and he keeps telling us how good he was. Um, Emery Hunt was on that bandwagon, too. He's currently rated. I looked at PFN, his ranking. He's They've got him over. He's like the 212th ranked player. If there were 211 players in this class better than Gabe Hall, I would be absolutely gobsmacked. I just don't see that being the case. Um, Adissa Isaac, I don't know if I have mentioned him. I know I've tweeted about him. I included him in an article I wrote for JetNation.com the other day. He was one of the few guys that gave uh, Fuaga a really tough time. Um He's really strong at the point of attack, showed really strong hands, had a win or two against Fuaga where I was kind of right on top of it. I could, you know, get a really good look at what was unfolding. And he he really just had powerful hands, was able to get hold of Fuaga, move him out of the way and get a tackle in the backfield for a loss. Um, And when we asked him later, when we asked Fuaga about it, um, he mentioned Isaac as being one guy who who did give him a difficult time. This is this, of course, is national roster. This is the uh, the group that Jeff Fulbrick coached. I'm just taking a look. Cedric Gray from North Carolina. I thought looked good. I was a big fan of his coming in. Uh, Sione Vaki. I don't know if we have talked about him. He's a guy that I was watching. Another guy I was watching just a couple weeks ago. Really good player at safety. And then you look and see he legitimately played running back. He had he had a game against UCLA where he had like 15 carries for 80-some yards. Um, and he apparently did get some run during practice. I did miss that, being honest. But um, he apparently worked at linebacker, safety, running back. So he's got to keep an eye on as a really versatile player. I think teams are really, you know, working on trying to find a role for him. And um, and a guy that, you know, I think I mentioned earlier in the week that how much I like a lot of the Washington State defenders. Um, I was I was a big fan of of Hicks, the safety who didn't come down. Really liked Brennan Jackson, who I had a chance to speak to, and he injured his foot, so he didn't play. And then Shao Smith-Wade comes in, two interceptions, one that was an absolute, you know, monster pick and return that he got dragged down at the one-yard line, and then he gets one to end the game on a diving pick. So really big game for Shao Smith-Wade. Happy for him that for anyone who's not been watching Washington State the last couple of years, I promise you they've they've got – probably five or six guys who are going to be in the NFL. Some of them taken last year, of course, but there's going to be three, four, five more guys over this draft and the next draft who are going to go to the NFL and have a chance to be really good players. Um, Going to the American side of things, Spencer Rattler, who we talked about. Now, Rattler's a guy who I thought improved from day one to day three, and you listen to GMs and scouts, and they say that's one of the biggest things they look for. They want to see guys make you know noticeable progress in a short space of time, which I thought Rattler did. Um, Dylan Terman um, of JetNation.com and the co-host on my show, he had the opportunity to speak with a scout after the game, and they talked a little bit about Spencer Rattler, and, and the scout basically told him that, you know, his understanding is that within NFL, you know, within war rooms, within scouting circles in the league, Spencer Rattler is is much and held in much higher regard than he is with the pundits and the fans and things like that. So something to keep an eye on, see if he goes earlier than, than most people think. Joe Milton, I thought, had a really rough game again kind of played at a level that would make you think UDFA, but when you consider the fact he may have the strongest arm in this class and that week round five, six, or seven that we've discussed, maybe he does end up getting himself drafted. But um, for me, I thought that Carter Bradley was more impressive than anyone expected him to be. I had no idea what to expect coming down, being the South Alabama product. I hadn't seen him play. 
Um, and it, it's funny, you know, and we do see it all the time, Scott, how just being an established guy, being a name, having that name recognition will get you talked about a lot more than, than a guy like Carter Bradley. I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, a, a scout, a draft podcast that I love. They do a great job breaking down players. And I was specifically listening. I thought, here's some guys who share opinions that I really enjoy. Um, it's Ryan Wilson and Chris Beelman, the, the, with the first pick podcast. And I'm listening to that specifically because I want to hear their thoughts on Carter Bradley and they do the first six quarterbacks. And then they just kind of say, uh, Carter Bradley, uh, he was great today, but we'll talk about him later. And I thought, wow, like this guy outplayed a lot of the guys you just spent all this time breaking down. But because he's Carter Bradley, it's like he, he becomes an immediate afterthought. So I think Bradley's a guy who played himself from being a UDFA to, to I think he's a kid who's going to get drafted and, and he deserves to. He had a really good week playing against competition that a lot of people haven't seen him play against. So good for him. Um, as far as the running backs go, Imani Bailey, of course, uh, led the way 10 carries 53 yards, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, the, the running backs are the hardest guys to grade, you know, when you're, and I found that out years ago, you know, going to jets training camp, you'd see these backs because even though they're hitting and they're tackling, like they're not they're during practices, they're not going a hundred percent. They're not tackling to the ground. So sometimes you see these guys break tackles and you think, well, it wasn't a true tackle. Would he have broken that in a game? But uh, Bailey, he had a nice game for himself. Um, Cody Schrader is another one, the kid out of Missouri. Really love the Missouri players that were down here this week. Um, and Bailey was one of them. So I have a really nice play on a short reception. I believe it was third and 11. Looked like he was going to have about a five-yard gain, but he made a guy miss and powered through and, and carried a, a defender or two past the past the marker for the first down. So a nice game for Schrader kind of puts himself on the map a little bit and, you know, gives himself a chance to get noticed. Uh, Rosemey Jackson, Marcus Rosemey Jackson, who I've talked about during practice and, and you know, leading up to this week, the Georgia product who uh, ended up, be, he was on the receiving end of that that touchdown pass from Spencer Rattler. And he, he, you know, he was getting a lot of hype based on how he was playing. I've, I've talked about his, you know, his body control, his hands. He looks like he can be a good player. And he had himself a really nice day. And Ben Sennett from Kansas State, he's a guy that throughout the week looked really good. He's he's kind of a tweener. You know, I think I've I've mentioned him. He's listed as a tight end, plays a little fullback, plays a little bit of a little bit of H back. But um, he's just one of those guys you look at and you think he's a good football player, you know, and, and there are some guys that, you know, they don't have a particular trait that really jumps out at you, but they just do a lot of things really well. And I feel like Sennett's one of those guys. I actually heard, I believe it was uh uh Rick Spielman saying that he, he thinks that Senate can be a, a, a third rounder, which is high, a lot higher than I thought, because again, with, you know, teams don't tend to use picks on guys who may be viewed as a fullback, but it, he could be a guy who you view as a weapon as, as a fullback slash H back. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Javon Foster from Missouri thought he had a decent game. Again, another Missouri product along with Patrick Paul. Patrick Paul is huge. Um, you know, I, you know, these guys are, of course, of particular interest to the Jets because they have such a need on the offensive line. And I think if they're going to go with one early on, it's going to be it's going to be a guy like Fuaga or, you know, maybe a J.C. Latham or somebody like that. Um does Fashanu fall? I don't know if he falls that far. Or the Jets interested. They'll take one of those guys early. But if they're going to take somebody later on, 
I think a guy like Foster could be that guy. Patrick Paul will probably go earlier. I could see him going in the first, but um, I, w- I don't know. Foster isn't a first-round talent, um, but he is. I think he's a talented tackle. Jackson McKinley, or sorry, McKinley Jackson, the Texas A&M DT, um, along with Javante uh, Jean-Baptiste from Notre Dame. Those guys really stood out to me. Really nice game. Good week of practice. Linebackers were a little tough the way practices unfolded. The, they were probably the group that we had the hardest time watching only because being there to primarily cover the Jets, you know, we were focusing so much on receivers and offensive linemen that the 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 linebackers were often sort of in the middle of those two groups around midfield and you'd kind of peek in on them when you could but I you know looking back at this week I think when we've done our show Scott I've probably spent the least amount of time talking about linebackers because they for us they kind of got lost in the shuffle but from what we did say what we did see those guys looked really good um speaking of guys who looked really good Braden Fisk right from Florida State I've mentioned him a couple times and he just they, they I heard them say um I heard a few people say they thought he could have been the MVP of this game. He really was a a nightmare for the interior lineman, and that's that's what he did at Florida State. So that shouldn't be any any real surprise there. Safeties in this game, you know, one guy who I should have mentioned with the national team, actually, Scott. Um, just looking at my notes here, Evan Williams. He's a guy that I saw play quite a bit at Fresno State, and then he transferred to Oregon. Didn't see as much of him there, but at Fresno State, he just jumped out. I mean, kind of like a defensive version of Sinnott, right, where he just – always seems to be making a play, doing the right thing, being in the right spot, impacting the game in one way or another. You saw it throughout the week in practice, and then he had himself that inter- he had an interception early on against Joe Milton, where the amount of ground he covered was absolutely ridiculous. I saw people criticizing Milton, saying what a bad decision to throw that ball. And I guarantee you, by the t- when he decided to throw that ball, Evan Williams was probably not even in his line of sight. He covered so much ground to get there and make that pick. Um, Again, a player the Jets should be looking at because they have that need, and he is a really good player. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, the Auburn corner, had himself a nice game um, and and a nice week of practice. Little little older guy. He's been he's been in college now four or five years, but I think he's a guy who can be a you know an immediate contributor on defense. Then of course Jarvis Brownlee, uh, who may have won the week at corner, had a phenomenal week. In fact, I, um, I I mentioned to you the other day, Scott, that he first popped on my radar a couple of years ago when he was with Florida State, um, where he made one of the most ridiculous acrobatic interceptions you'll ever see in your life. And I was able to dig through my old film and find it and shared it the other day. If you uh, give that a search on Twitter, basically went up, batted the ball around. It bounced off his hip as he fell to the ground and he squeezed it between his two calves as he fell to his knees and held on to it. It was ridiculous. Glenn, last order of business, apparently there had been some chatter down at the Senior Bowl this week, and this was according to Rich Semini over at ESPN, that the Jets might be looking to trade down from the 10th pick in the draft and get themselves a second round pick to replace the one that they lost in the Aaron Rodgers trade. This, of course, is something you and I have talked about. Daniel Jeremiah has seven offensive linemen ranked between 9 and 18 on his big board. Now, that doesn't mean that that's how the Jets have it ranked. That doesn't mean that anyone else has it ranked that way. It doesn't mean that those rankings are the only thing you can go by. It's just a loose guide. But it gives you a decent idea into the thinking of the overall scouting community, the front offices, the coaches, and all that, because Daniel Jeremiah usually has a fairly good idea, at least where these guys are ranked in a general sense, 
even if he doesn't know exactly what each team's board looks like. And so if that's the case, if the Jets can get a second round pick or even a third round pick to move down a couple of spots, it makes sense to me if they agree and think that there are about six or seven guys that are all in that nine to 18 range because then they could slide down a little bit still get one of the offensive linemen they like and be able to grab another pick that they could use on somebody else, either a weapon to help Aaron Rodgers or somebody to help protect him on the offensive line, both of which they need pretty badly. The question, of course, is going to become, do the Jets see it that way or do they see it differently? Do they maybe only have two or three offensive linemen on the top tier so they don't really want to risk moving down? Also, is there another team that wants to move up, whether it's an offensive lineman or somebody else at a different position? So there's a lot to be determined here, but I think the fact that there's chatter about this makes a lot of sense since, as we've said many times, Glenn, the Jets have to get as many quality pieces to surround Aaron Rodgers with right now so they can do whatever they have to to take advantage of this short win-now window they have with him, and that begins by getting more premium picks for this draft so that they can add offensive linemen that can help Aaron Rodgers and they can add weapons that can help him put points on the board. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a couple months ago, Scott, in fact. I think it was uh, early December when I tweeted out and said, you know, if the Jets are going to trade down, they need to be they need to remain in a range where they can get somebody like Atalis Fuaga, which is, you know, I've kind of had him on my mind for for a couple months as a possibility for the Jets. Of course, it could be another tackle, but I don't. I mean, none of that should come as a surprise to anybody, right? We've talked about it. Any any Jets fan who stays up with what's going on with this team should should know. Like you gave up that two for Aaron Rodgers, now you have to work to get it back. Whether it's a late one, an early two, whatever it may be, um, but whatever you can get, if you're the Jets, move down, stay within range to get a lineman who can be a plug and play starter, and add some assets because you just. Some fans may not, I don't, some fans are in denial. Others may not just realize it, but we do not know what we're getting with Aaron Rodgers. And whatever we are getting this year, it's probably going to be less than what we're getting the year after. So it really, of course, you. Oh, there's never a draft where you don't want to add as many good players as possible. That's a that's goes without saying. But the Jets are in a unique situation in that they have put so much money into acquiring a quarterback who can win them something now, but it literally has to be now. You didn't you didn't go out and get a 34-year-old quarterback with a six-year window. You got a 40-year-old quarterback with a two- to three-year window, and you lost year one. So now you've got a very small window for which you have spent a great deal of money, and you need to maximize the, the possibility of you winning. And you do that by making some deals and acquiring more picks and more players to come in and help. So, yeah, I did see the story from Samini comes as zero surprise. Um, you know, if you and I are talking about it as observers from the outside, you would certainly expect the insiders to be, uh, to be mentioning it too. But it does have to be a priority for this team to – Add picks, but solidify that old line. Glenn Naughton, editor, Jet Nation. Thanks so much for coming on and reviewing the Senior Bowl with me. Really appreciate it. It's been great doing these shows with you throughout the week, live in Mobile. We've got one more coming your way. That'll be tomorrow when we will answer your questions coming out of the Senior Bowl. So I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, though, check out everything Glenn is doing over at Jet Nation. Follow him on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on 
iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in the New York Jets podcast and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.